This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Well, well, everyone, uh, three wins on the bounce. And to celebrate, you've not got one guest. You've not got two. You haven't even got three. We have four of us tonight. Um, but we, uh, before we get into individual uh, hellos, uh, Mr. Daniel Buxton, a very permanent fixture, of course. Um, how are you, mate? How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, it's amazing what nine points in a week can do for you. It's a, it's a, f- a warm, fuzzy feeling that I don't feel very often. <laughs> Well, imagine how you're going to feel after we get the fourth. You never know. Uh, but yes, we'll uh, we'll be coming back to you shortly. And I said there was more voices. Uh, we've got uh, Laurie. So again, you a lot of you would have heard uh, this voice, uh, no doubt, a couple of times before. It feels like you're getting a bit of a regular now, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back on. Yeah, all smiles from me as well. Like uh, a very odd feeling as a Stoke fan, um, particularly in the championship. But yeah, happy to be back on and uh, uh, to chew the fat with you guys. Well, mate, it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, and then somebody we tried to get on the other week, but unfortunately it just didn't quite work out. Uh, pleased to welcome back a voice that I'm sure some of you would have heard if you've been listening for a while. Uh, Mr. Johnny Canning from Across the Pond, how are you? Uh, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Really uh, good to be here. So thank you for having me. Brilliant, mate. Well, I'm glad you, I assume you enjoyed your uh, your visit over. You, you couldn't have gone too much better for you, could it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great experience. Took in my first match at the Bet365 against Sunderland and then followed it up uh, during the week with Leeds and uh, two on the bounce and then go away from home uh, against Borough was just uh, the highlight of my trip. So, yeah, can't be can't be happier, really. Yeah. Good, good. And I mean, I'm not sure what you guys have been up to, but has anyone been looking up the prices for London hotels and, and travel prices for May by any chance? <laughs> Interestingly enough, I uh, told you, man, if we do win this week, we're uh, we're definitely going to uh, be looking for flats. <laughs> <laughs> love, uh, I, I love yeah. it. It's great, it's great yeah. what a couple of wins does, isn't it? We, everyone's yeah. really, really confident all of a sudden. Mm. What a difference it makes from the spring, you know, to now having a healthier squad at bay, right? So, yeah, I couldn't be thrilled. And it looks like the lads are building the continuity within the group. So, super excited for what's to come this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Can I make a point? 
Oh, go for it. Yeah, crack on. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say, with uh, Johnny's record over the last week, I really didn't want him to go back to calendar. Like he needed, <laughs> We all needed to chip together and get him a flat near Stoke. Um, he he needed to be a regular fixture down at uh, I call it the Britannia still, but uh, yeah. the Bet Three Six Five. Uh, we need you, Johnny. When are you coming back? <laughs> hey, appreciate the invite. Anytime. Let's let's work on that, shall we? Well, you can come back in May because you know we're we're, we're going to need we have plenty of tickets available. What 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 does Amazing. Wembley hold? Forty thousand for, for Stoke fans normally. Um, so uh, yeah, we are really getting ahead of ourselves here. Let, let's yeah. rein you back in a little bit, shall we? Um, but right, so let's let's get straight into it. So again, as I said, you know we followed up wins over Sunderland and Leeds, a really good two 0 win versus Middlesbrough. And I wanted to kick off with some of the stats from this game and just a couple of observations off the back of it, actually. So um, shots wise, uh, Middlesbrough had nine, we had thirteen. We had six on target to their three, which is unusual for Stoke. It's normally the opposite way around. Uh, Possession-wise, which is something I'm going to come back to, but possession, they had 59% to our 41. 546 passes to our 392. uh, And 84% pass accuracy to our 76. And then there's a scattering of a couple of yellows and stuff like that. Now, I don't know about you boys, but what I find really interesting when we seem to win a lot of our games, have you noticed the possession stats? We're very, very often lowest on the possession stats. And I actually, I, I was going to put a video out tonight. I'm, I'm going to wait. Um, I did a bit of a video in terms of looking at the style of play. And, you know, Johnny, you talked about, you know, things like continuity and stuff like that. But when this video goes up and when hopefully, you know, anyone of you sitting there now listening to it or whatever you're doing, go and check out the highlights from the Middlesbrough game. It's very easy to miss. But what you've basically noticed, if you look back at our style of play, something that you could say maybe our style of play has been a bit wishy-washy for for the season. But what we're doing, and you saw Rose do it the other week, and he gave the ball away and we conceded a goal. But we're getting the ball in the defence, and we're trying to play that cutting pass into midfield for somebody to then spin off quickly into the wing back formations. You'll see the video go shortly, and you'll see what Lloris does on one move that brings in Henry, but we're, we're trying to invite the pressure from the defence. Let the opposition have it. We'll either pinch it in the middle or invite that pressure from the defence so we can break them out of their their solid kind of back four or back three, whatever they're playing in, to then use the pace and try and break. So we're not having to rely on tons and tons of possession because what we're doing is pulling them out of their, their comfort zone and getting them running back at their own goal. Like this has been a steady progression into that, and I'm not sure, Dan, if you if you saw it yourself, mate. But we we seem to be building that type of a of a mentality of a, a kind of an approach to the game, and I think that's really what's starting to come to come to fruition for us. Have you noticed that yourself, Dan? I have noticed that we do get a lot more victories when we have less of them possession, but I do think as well that that comes. That's that's a general trait. A lot of teams, um, unless you're Manchester City or Burnley in this division last season, probably Leicester um, this year. I think a lot of times, especially if you score early, you will end up winning the game with less possession. I think what happens is, obviously, (laughs) to be honest, I was a bit naughty because I did sort of see this last season, and especially that with the XG and everything as well. 
Um, and then, but it, it was uh, I didn't sort of use it last season because it sort of went against the point when I was trying to remain positive in the light of a lot of one 0 defeats. Is that once once you can see and go behind, you're going to have a lot more of the ball because the opposition then have got something to defend, haven't they? So they will naturally have less of the ball, and they will happily maybe stay more compact, stay a bit a little bit bit, a little bit deeper, and they'll let you have the ball. They'll be happy for you to be passing it around in your own third and in the middle, as long as you're not sort of threatening the goal. And also, you're more likely to get um, into goal scoring opportunities because you've got more of the ball. So you're going to have a higher XG, you're going to have a higher possession when you're behind than when you're in front. And I think a lot of our games last season, we came out and we, you know, a lot of people say, oh, look, we, we our XG is 1.7 and we, we lost 1-0 and theirs is only 0.3. I'm like, yeah, because they scored in the fifth minute and then they didn't have to do anything after that. <laughs> and we never... That and so oh yeah well we had sixty four percent possession well we did yeah because the opposition let us have the ball because we were united with it and they were like well they knew that we couldn't break them down so I think that was the same with Middlesbrough wasn't it? we were two 0 quite early second half we quite happily said to them without being like I'm not considering criticism at all it's a very professional away performance and very clinical very great good at game management something that we were really struggling with last season in that we we got ourselves in front and then we just we just made uh, ourselves very solid we stayed very compact we, we all stuck to our jobs we weren't sloppy and anything and Middlesbrough just couldn't break us down but the side thing of that is they will have more possession so yeah that's the long answer to say yes I do believe that we do win more games where we have less possession, but I think there's a wider thing to that, and it's more common than than people realise. I say, unless you are a team that is absolutely supreme at just keeping the ball. You trying to say, you know, Rose is not capable of keeping the ball? You will be correct, uh, <laughs> Laurie. I think you may want to comment on that. Looking at look yourself. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting point. I've noticed um, in the last couple of games, in the last three games. Uh, Stokes' confidence to kind of punch forward passes quite quickly when we turn the ball over. I think in in sort of previous seasons, what we've done is we've been quite tentative to do that, and um, probably more inclined to play sidewards passes when we when we collect the ball because we don't have that confidence and uh, almost the consistency in the results to maybe take more risks but but certainly with the goals that we're scoring now when we're recycling the ball we're we're a lot more um i would say direct with the first pass not not wasteful not long ball certainly not but um a sort of very punchy um pass forward uh, in order to get our faster players on, on the wing in in good areas and quickly when they're disorganized so um Possession for me has never been an issue, and as a Stoke fan of of sort of recent times, we should never worry about having lots of the lots of the ball. But I, I always think it's what you do with it, and uh, and at the right time. So um, I think I think he's he's got the system right now where we might be taking a few more risks um in possession when we when we turn it over um but i think we've got players in the right areas in order to make those perhaps uh, calculated risks now so yeah 
Yeah, and, and obviously, Johnny, that, that comes from, you know, a lot of work on the training ground, doesn't it? It's about the continuity in the team, the players having the understanding of what each of them are going to have to do, and a lot of work by Alex Neal and, and his team, isn't it? No, oh, absolutely, and uh, to reiterate what Lawrence said, is exactly it. I think, uh, you know, we have a style, or more so a method, as to how we play now. And I think Neil alluded that in one of his conferences, like you, you can see it shape and, and I'll allude to the one breakout uh, that Larissa almost got. Remember uh, when, uh, when Keon was on the flank, moving the ball, see how quickly that ball went through the, the fullbacks and, and he was in on goal, like stuff like that you would never see before. And I feel that like we are taking those chances, but we're moving the ball well and we are, we're our, a real threat going forward. So yeah, quite excited to see that. And, and and I'll allude to another thing too, which we've been missing is the, the set pieces. Uh, you know, uh, we've been getting, you know, we've been getting lucky and fortunate enough to uh, get some goals off the uh, set pieces as well. So yeah, everything really that everyone said is, is spot on for sure. I think it's the last three games, isn't it? We've scored from a set piece. And I think we mm. I'm sitting next to Dan, obviously with the, the season tickets. And I've been saying since the start of the season, like you almost want to shrink in your seat every time we conceded a corner because you just knew we were going to go and concede. Like mm. we, even Travers, as good as Travers was, he wasn't coming for the, for the balls. Uh, the defense weren't picking up their men. It was really quite difficult to, to watch at times and quite, you know, we, we were saying for weeks, we conceded goal after goal from it. It was like, you've mm. got to work on these and it would have been okay. Well, look, if we're conceding a couple, but we're scoring three at the other end, it's not such a big deal. The fact was we weren't scoring and we weren't, you know, we weren't defending them well enough. So I think they've clearly been working on that. You know, there's been a couple of goals where it's been, you know, a really good team move, actually mm. people running off, creating spaces and stuff like that. Um, it just feels like, you know, we've, Things are starting. I know it's easy to jump ahead, but things are starting to come good a little bit. Uh, there's a long, long way to go, uh, but it definitely looks positive. And that chance that you mentioned, Johnny, with you know, where about you know, uh, Larice, that that is exactly the video that I've, I've done. You, you see the ball come into midfield. He gets it, and if there's a bit where you freeze it, and before he's even picked up the ball, Larice, in that middle, he's already looking to his left and he's looking for Henry. He already knows where that player is going to be and what the aim of that pass is. So that, for me, was absolutely point blank. We have worked on this and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, really Louis? good point. Really good point you, you mentioned there, Michael. But also what we're seeing is um, there's that kind of insurance of if the ball does get turned over the other way um, and we're a little bit poor in possession, we do have that insurance behind us, that that sort of triangle of Rose, Pearson and McNally to um, to mop up and, and recycle the ball back. So um, we've got willing runners forward, but um, you always need to keep it tight at the back as well. And I, I think that triangle for me is absolutely pivotal. Um, the We'll probably go on to, to formations and things and what's worked uh, later on. But, but for me, that triangle, that makes or breaks our team at the moment. So Dan, if, if, if what Laura's saying there, we, we've got that 
that midfield three, if you like, that I think are really starting to click now. We know that Ben Pearson is a, is a walking yellow card, um, so he's going to be suspended soon. Berger is going to be suspended soon. Uh, the, the list is kind of adding up. So is the danger that when these players do get suspended, which is going to happen soon, let's face it, um, have we got a danger that maybe that's where we could come on unstuck? Or do you think we've got enough quality on the bench that if Pearson goes off, can Thompson cover? If Berger can't play, is Josh Loren going to be good enough to come back? He seems to have booked his ideas up a little bit, Josh, in the last couple of games. Yeah, to be fair, I think Loren's played well the last couple of times he's, he's got on. Uh, Thompson came on for uh, Pearson, didn't he, midway through this, this game, and he looked really good, to be fair. I mean, he got straight involved, and he was a lovely sort of crossfield ball, started the, the move for the Larice goal. And yeah, I think, I mean, unfortunately for him, he is suspended this week. Uh, so that's one suspension out of the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he, uh, he obviously, um, Tom, that's Thompson. you got Thompson, Loren, Berger, Pearson, Johnson. I think we've got five there. We're only playing three of them. So, you know, I think we've, we've got enough cover there. Um, Baker's coming back as well. He's, he's back training on grass and stuff. So he won't be too far away. So, yeah, I mean, that'll be six centimetres. And obviously, that's without counting people like, you know, Saltadibi and that who were chomping at the bit to get involved, but not able to at the minute. So, yeah, I think, I think we're more than more than stacked in that in that area right now, which you wouldn't have thought we'd have said about a few weeks ago, would you? <laughs> no, no, you certainly wouldn't. And there was obviously a couple of key performances. We'll move on to the man of the match shortly, but key performances, one man who... Um, has come in for a lot of stick. We've given it on, he- on here. Um, is is obviously Jack Bonham. Now I'm going to say this about Bonham. I thought he absolutely had a a brilliant game. There was the odd cross where he like, flapped at it a bit, but you know you've got to give all credit to Jack. The fans clearly were giving him credit um, at the game. Now, as much as he had a great game, there is a big but here for me. Um, and I don't want to be too negative when a player's just done so well. But I think what I'm keen to get across, and this is going to be turned into a rant, and please feel free to, to tell me I'm very, very wrong after this. One game does not make him a world beater. Now, he's had an excellent game. All credit to him for that. But let's not forget how unreliable he was last season and the mistakes that he made, the lack of confidence he gave to his defence, if he costs us a game against Cardiff this weekend, no one's turning around and saying, oh, he's a great keeper, like, like a Travers. Oh, he's a good keeper, he just made a mistake. It won't be that. It will be, oh, here we go, Jack Bonham, back again. One good game, he's made a mistake. That is going to happen because he is a below-average goalkeeper who isn't good enough for the championship, as far as I'm concerned. So it's very harsh. And it's not criticised his previous game. You can't fault his performance. But I just felt also at the same time that this, it won't surprise me if he was replaced ASAP in January because clearly the manager doesn't think he's good enough because he tried to replace him twice. And I just I just think there's, there's a little bit of a thing there. People have not forgotten he is still not a good goalkeeper. He just had a really good game. And I bloody hope... He rams that down my throat come January and he's had 10 clean sheets between now and the end of the season. Um, I'm just not going to be jumping on the I love Jack Bonham uh, bit because he's still not good enough for me. 
so rant over. <laughs> yeah. I am aware that we have the 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 number one Jack Bonham fan on this call, who I think we'll probably best come into in a minute. Um, but before we hand over to Johnny, <laughs> I think he was definitely brought in as a number three at Stoke. Um, if you think at the time, I think we did. We have was it was it Adam Davis and and um, Joe Bursick. Bursick, yeah. Yeah. So I think we, you know, at that, that point in time, I think he was definitely coming in as sort of a bit of a cover. Um, you know, he might Im- might improve whatever, but he's, he's experienced person to have as number three. And yeah, I think he did. He, he did what he did well against but B- Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think he's, he's, like, he's like you said there. It's only fair to say yeah, he did do well in that game. I myself, I'm a bit like you, Mike. I'm in. I would say that if someone was telling me that Jack Bonham was coming in and he was going to cover six to ten games for an injury or whatever, then I'm like, you know, we could probably, you know, the lower end of that definitely, the higher end you might just be able to to manage whatever. But if someone was telling me that Jack Bonham's your now now your goalkeeper to the end of the season, I would still be worried and maybe struggle to believe that we could be anywhere near a promotion winning side in that case, in that instance. Um, yeah. I think, I, don't, it, it, I think to, uh, to uh, Danny Smith once on Radio Stoke at the weekend made a very good point. He said he hasn't got, he is not, there is not a weakness to his game as such. There isn't one point in his game where he's always oh, really bad at this. He's really bad at that. Now, shot stopping percentages, he was, him and Bursic actually, were, Two of the lowest six or seven in the whole division last year, I think, of all the goalkeepers. Um, so that looks like it was a little bit of a low, but um, I think what he is, he's like, I think it's quite a good point. Ben is he's quite solid at everything, but I think to, to be towards the top end of this league, you need a keeper who's more than more than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like. Agree. Yeah, I think you need you need he's probably a six out of ten across the board, and you we put you probably need seven and eight to get promoted. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you look at all the attributes that a goalkeeper has, that's the uh, problem. Yeah, though that, that's my point on it. That that's the problem, isn't it? You can't. You spot on, mate. It it depends what you expect from the, from the season. I mean, I don't think any of us are saying we absolutely think we're going to hundred percent finish in the playoffs. This, this league is so open. But yeah, I I wasn't trying to be too critical. It was just I'm thinking we've got twelve games between now and then the point where we could possibly replace him. My worry here is that he has got to be in goal for these twelve games. We have no choice. So if we if he makes the mistakes he made last year and he's not as solid as he normally is the season could be pretty much over by that point to a to a large extent if he makes them mistakes i bloody hope he doesn't but that's my worry so i'll let you have your piece and i'll put my tin hat on ready for the ready for the abuse uh, everything's <laughs> everything's valid. I I always been a, a fan of Bottom only because of his presence in between the sticks. And the one real word that comes to mind, guys, and 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 feel free to disagree or agree. But I feel anytime he's been in there, he's been reliable. And at, at a professional level, you couldn't ask for anything more. And and he's been with the club for a few years, right? So 
I, I think when he called upon, he's done his job. Let's let's be honest and fair to him. Last season, he didn't really have a backing uh, on the defensive end at all. I felt, at, you know, and the confidence didn't really shine through. So, look, at the end of the day, should he be, you know, out the door in January? That's to be told. I think if you know now that he's gaining confidence, that's just good for him as, as and and for the squad. So you know, let's ride with it. Yeah, you can you can critique his his uh, you know pros and cons as to what you know he's done or what he's not done. That's fine. But he's reliable, and that's really the only sense of sensible word that comes from me is he's he's a reliable keeper. Now, is he is yeah. he is he you know there for the number one? Uh, well. Probably not, but you know, a good solid backup for sure. And I hope he, he I, with this win and a clean sheet at that, he continues it. And the lads are starting, like I said and mentioned earlier, the continuity. So anytime you're on the pitch with eleven guys and you have full of confidence, that'll just breathe through. So I'm really happy. I'm pleased, and I know that you know there's a lot of you know people out there who will probably roll their eyes at that, but no, I think you know he's he's stepped up and 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 he's done his job. So you know, onward and upwards, Jackie. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fair enough, Laurie, so go on, mate. Yeah, uh, I have my reservations, so I think I think I would probably be um, on Mike's side of the fence for this one. Um, my biggest issue with him uh, is possibly not the shot stopping, uh, is possibly not the distribution, the rolling out, the, the kicks. My issue is on the high ball. Um, so a cross in for Jack Bonham is either patted down into the six yard box, possibly near the penalty spot or um, a kind of tentative punch away. Um, not many times is he making a clean catch that says to me a couple of things where his communication might not be very clear with his defenders um, sometimes. And I'm not saying all the time, but um if sometimes my goalkeeper is is going to be making an error like that, it's gonna it, as a centre half, I'm going to be dod- uh, I'm going to be worried. I'm going to feel jittery. Um, the fans uh, very much on on the Facebook group that that we we organise are all talking about when is Travers back. So it's it's perhaps not just the jitters uh, of the players looking around thinking right this is our number one he's gone for the while please let's hope we recall him back um after he goes back to to bournemouth let's hope let's hope that he's back in in the goal but um dan made a really good point he said um if if you were to say Bonham in for the next six games or or ten games, and then perhaps somebody else comes in, I think Stoke fans would be happy with that. Um, he had a lot to prove on on Saturday, and I was perhaps a little bit cynical, thinking he might he might not be up to it. He kept a clean sheet by hook or by crook, so um, uh, well done and credit to him for that. But long term, no for me. Well, yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, well, to close it out, I think, yeah, we'll just say, bloody great game. I hope this dropping he's had recently is the kick up the backside he needs. He, maybe he can look at this as a chance to um, to to move his career forward and have a really good finish to his Stoke career here because I think he will be gone uh, come uh, the end of the season. So that's fine. Um, so, boys, we had a very good, uh, obviously, you know, Larice was brilliant again. I won't spend too long on this, uh, but, you know, Larice was uh, was really good yet again. Um, 
man of the match performances. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you for man of the match, mate. For your personal opinion, um, who stood out for you as the as the key man to that win at the weekend? Um, I think Larice for me stood out as um, he had a very good game again. He's becoming quite a regular thing now, isn't it? That he's sort of matching up. I think he's definitely sort of taken the uh, the hole left by Jacob Brown and. If anything, he's possibly excelling that now and, and moving that on, uh, which is quite impressive since he cost a fraction of what we reportedly got in for Brown. Um, but as a special, we've already mentioned Bonham, I think Dwight Gale also deserves a mention. Um, I know that Stoke fans are plenty, including some in this this uh, chat right here. We're having a bit of a meltdown pre-kickoff. Um I, well, he's still not good enough, is he? But yeah, I, I, I said to keep the faith. I said there'll be a plan. If he's in there, there'll be a plan. And I think he had a very good game. It was his first start in um, what in six months. First start in six months. So he actually, I think he did very well. Um, he occupied the defence well. He dragged them into areas. I think the defenders lost him on numerous occasions because of his movements. Um, and I think that helped Haksabanovic, helped Larice. And I think you also noticed that the midfield, Loren was getting forward um, and uh, Johnson was getting forward into really key areas. And I think that was the, the off-the-ball stuff from Gale where he was manipulating the defenders and the centre-backs just to open up space for people to get into. And I think that's a really sort of underrated part of any footballer's game, like the off-the-ball stuff like that. It goes unnoticed a lot of the time. Um, and I think that's at this stage of his career that seems to be what Gale's bringing to the party more than anything uh, is that sort of experience and then that movement so yeah I thought he did very well and um, yeah if he was to be if his name was coming up on the team sheet again I hope that there'd be less of an outcry than there was going into that game Fair enough. I wouldn't be. I don't want him anywhere near this, this team at all. I see what you're getting at from the weekend, mate, but um, he had more than enough chances last season. I think I'd rather somebody else get in there. But, yeah, everyone's got an opinion on uh, that particular one. Uh, Johnny, uh, Laurie, any objections to Larice for being man of the match for you boys? Oh, you, 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 no, not at all, but uh, you, you always would assume where I'm going with the man of the match for me. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Here but, we go. <laughs> but, 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 here, but here's why. And I think you guys will agree with me. That shot from uh, uh, Josh Corbin, you know, um, where he feathered it over the bar. For me, that just summed up a game saver, really and truly. And probably a game, you know, I would say one of the saves of the season for him. And, and, and it just impacted the team. It grew. We had, look, we had a comfortable win. That's all that needs to be said. The lads uh, dug in and, and yeah, everyone played great, even Gail. And I do agree with your point, Dan. I think his time has come and gone. Uh, however, I think he he adds that in the dressing room, uh, you know, for the younger lads, which is good. But yeah, he, he's his time has come and done for me. And I hope uh, we have a replacement come January. But yeah, Jack Bonham for me. Uh, that save uh, just, uh, it could have, you know, it just summed it up for me and, and, and that uh, give credit to that. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. Yep. All right, no problems. Yep. Uh, well, conscious of spending uh, an hour and a half podcast on just the Middlesbrough game, we probably better move on. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Larice gets my vote as well, if I'm honest yep. with you on that one. Johnny, will let you have Jack. How about that? All um, right, thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, Dan, overall man of the match, mate, for the the listeners who uh, who kind of took it away. I, I imagine it's probably not too dissimilar to the names we've thrown out, if I'm honest. Uh, yes, so the third place was Dwight Gale. The second place was Jack Bonham with 23%. And a overall winner with 62% of the vote was Mehdi Larice. Um, actually, been a very well, good... A very good uh, time for Larissa, actually, because that win meant that he also secured the Player of the Month award for us for October with 148 points ahead of Wouter Berger on it and Luke McNally, who had 70 points, and also took him to the top of our Player of the Season standings. Um, so, as it stands, we've got Ben Wilmot has dropped all the way down to seventh with 127. Uh, McNally's now up to six, 144. Pearson's got 146, as has Vidigal. And then the top three are Berger with 188, Travers on 205, and Larice on 212. Uh, yes, so Larice, you'd, you'd have to think that it's Larice over Berger at this point when you were obviously Travers now sort of exiting stage left, if you're right. If you like. Well, for, for the time being, and then he's going to come back in January and take us to promotion. So you might be able to, to claw that back, Dan. You, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, a good time to be made in Larice. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, and we'll hopefully be giving him that trophy at the end of the season on the open top boards. Because we're really getting ahead of it now, aren't we? I'm, I'm <laughs> keeping the positivity. I don't care. Yeah, yeah we're keeping it going. Uh, and then just final, finally wrap up this bit. Then so uh, we'll catch up now with the the boys from the Borough Breakdown podcast. Uh, we'll see what they thought of the game. And uh, you know they're normally quite level headed. So let's see what they said. Hello guys, ready here from the Board Breakdown Podcast here to give you a bit of a review of uh, Stoke's win at the Riverside on on Saturday. It was the first win, of course, since 1997 uh, that you guys have, have beat us at the Riverside. So it was the long coming, uh, for it, and especially for it to happen. I think it was a special result uh, for you guys as well to to seal three wins in a week against some really good sides in the division as well. Um, but for me, I thought Stoke were brilliant. Um, you know, really well organised. Um, we're able to keep the shape really well. Um, I thought the press good, uh, especially in the first half. And, you know, created chances through those set plays and also from Borough mistakes. And I think that first, that second goal for me, I think where Thompson takes a ball through and cuts out three men, lays a ball out wide um, on the left-hand side, and then it comes back across... Um, and then you go on and score that second goal. Really well worked goal and lovely play from from left to right. And for for me, after it was two 0 down, I couldn't see Borough getting back into it. You know, we were really off uh, in that game. You know, we've had like uh, we like I mentioned in the previous voice note, we've got quite a lot of injuries at the moment. We had a suspension in Hackney, and of course Hackney has, has been an excellent player for us so far this season. So we have missed him, but I think it's just no excuse. I think we. We're poor on the Saturday. I think Stoke thoroughly deserved the win. And, you know, you're impressive. And Alex Neal has got one over on us uh, again. So it's always a bit of frustration on uh, on our part. You know, Alex Neal seems to be our, our kryptonite. Um, but overall, I thought Stoke thoroughly deserved the win. Uh, re- really played well. And I hope that you guys can kick on now this season. I feel like with the investment you've had in the summer and on and, on and off the pitch, it's hopefully going to slowly start clicking for you. But for right now, guys, well done on the victory. Um, and we'll speak to you very soon. Bottom bora.
Okay, dokie. Well, lovely. Well, thanks so much for the audio. Uh, yeah, again, really good uh, overview from you boys there. Very much nailed nailed on, if I'm honest with you. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you on the reverse fixture uh, where we will look to claim yet another three points from you uh, and do the double. That'd be nice. So, Dan, let's move into uh, this week's kind of news, youth, etc. And I believe we might also have a, a bit of a loanee update as well. Yes, yeah, so we'll kick off with the loanee update. So, obviously, uh, Tommy Simpkins out on loan at Solihull, and we did check in with him earlier in the season, early September, and he'd had a great start uh, down at Solihull Moors. Uh, they were really raving about him. So, obviously, with the news of Mark Travers going back and some people sort of calling for uh, Simpkins to be recalled, we thought we'd check back in with him just to see how he's getting on and, and maybe even just pose that question. You know, do do they think he could come and do a job at Stoke right now? So this is what uh, the guys at Sully almost had to say about that. All right, lads. Thanks for having me back. First of all, um, so yeah, as I, since I last spoke to you guys about Tommy Simkin, um, results have kind of they were doing well, um, and then we hit a defeat against Aldershot, um, followed by obviously a very good FA Cup victory, and then obviously it was a hammering against Southend, unfortunately, and then. Uh, late draw against Barnett. Um The thing with South, the South End game, we lost 5-0. Simkin obviously conceded five goals. To be completely honest, it was one of those, I think, just off, completely off days. Nobody really performed. It wasn't so much like Simpkins Fox who conceded five or, or anything like that. It was just l- literally one of those games at the end of the day. But in those matches, he still continued to develop. He still continued to show and prove you know, himself and prove himself to one of the best goalkeepers in the National League quite comfortably I think he's got an extremely bright career ahead of him um, and I still believe that obviously Stoke I know I've seen about Mark Travers being recalled and I've got to be honest that did really shock me as I imagine it's kind of shocked you at the same time um, I, th- I think to be completely honest calls for him to come back and play Emilia in the Championship are a bit, are a bit strong for me, I don't think he's... I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. I think he has fantastic potential to be, you know, Stoke's number one and comfortably go on to... No disrespect to Stoke, but obviously if you were to stay in the Championship, then I would back him to move up to the Premier League, if that makes sense. But what I will say is I think the calls for him to start in the Championship are a bit strong. Like, I don't think he's ready just yet. He still needs more game time. You know, whether Stoke look to say maybe send him on an EFL loan in January instead of being at Solly or remains to be seen I think he's shown enough quality to make that jump up I just disagree with claims that he would be ready to start in the championship now to be honest I think he still needs a little bit more time it's still a bit young and and ultimately if you throw him in at the deep end it could you know risk his confidence quite you know massively he's doing really well I think he's commanding his box brilliantly it's actually better than a lot of goalkeepers I've seen in this division he's very loud he likes to have the ball he likes to play out from the back which suits a modern day goalkeeper so I'm really happy with his progress I'd love him to stay beyond obviously January but if you guys opt to to recall him and send him elsewhere I can fully understand that but um, yeah I just want to say thanks for having me on and obviously Results have been picked up. Tommy's still been outstanding. Obviously, defeats have happened, but he's still been very, very good, and I'd love to keep him for the whole season. So we'll see. At the end of the day, we'll see. I hope he stays, but yeah, I just think he is not ready for the championship yet, in my honest opinion. Uh, cheers, Callum. Thank you for that. Um, I'd say, Mike, that's pretty much what we what you'd expect, really, isn't it? He's sort of excelling out on this initial loan spell in the National League. But there's a very big difference between being a National League keeper and a Championship goalkeeper. 
there is. Um, you think that we're going to get Frankie Fielding leaving this season, his contract's up. Obviously, we just talked about Jack Bonham. I think Jack Bonham could very well be gone as well. You know, if we're thinking about going forward, maybe we could be in a situation where Travers will obviously be brought in for me. I think that's an obvious one that we wanted to do permanently anyway in the, originally. So I think Travers will come back. I think we'll get another number two. And it wouldn't surprise me if Simpkin potentially came back to fight for that number two place, possibly. It may be a bit too soon. He may need another loan, realistically. Um, but I guess it depends. You know, everyone's been raving about him. So is he a potential person to to be mingling with the squad and maybe, I don't know, yes, okay, do a couple of under-21 games, but maybe, you know, the, the cup games, League Cup and stuff. It depends how much confidence that Alex Nil's got in him, I suppose. And the balance versus experience out on loan versus keeping him around the, the squad. Be interesting to see, but there's a chance to make him one of the three, potentially. Laurie, do you think that maybe with Sim, with Tommy Simkin, he'd be more value on to be staying out on loan than sort of staying on the bench, even if he did make that sort of number two spot his own? He could potentially be sat on the bench for 46 full games next, uh, you know, in the next season. Do you not think... Would you do you think he'd be better off getting a say a League Two loan or even a League One loan than doing that? In in fairness, and I don't want to keep on the bottom talk, but look, if you look at the bigger picture, he he guides us through the six, eight, ten matches, and he's successfully, and we're we're pushing for the playoffs or we're in the playoffs. What what do you feel like? We just kind of okay. Thanks for getting us here and shake his hand and on you go. I. I just I, I feel that if he if he provides the confidence that he did against Pearl and and you could say it could be just a one off sure um, how do you how do you go and just say you know how how do you replace someone that's gotten you to that place and that's that's my mindset to it all so I don't want to make it a long drawn out talk however but I I think you know you got to give credit where credit is due and if he leads us to that promotion push all you know well done well done but. You know, you don't just slap him a check and say away you go, do you? I mean, I think if the if the team are winning games and Bonham isn't making errors, then he keeps his place and everything's fine. Uh, but that's that's a kind of shoulda woulda shoulda situation, and and we'll kind of play each game as it goes and see where we're at. Um, mm at the January window. Coming back to Simkins, though, for me, Dan, um, I would say minutes on the pitch are going to be vital for him uh, at his age. He needs to experience lots of different shots, lots of different crosses, lots of different centre forwards, lots of different defenders to work with. He needs to be out on the grass. What he doesn't need is to be sitting on a bench and sort of learning his trade by watching he needs to be doing and playing so for me um he had a really good report uh based on the solihull um supporter i think that's a fantastic thing they're in a good uh healthy position at the moment in the table but um things change very quickly um goalkeeper availability becomes um, prevalent and and perhaps there could be an opportunity later down the line for me I, I would like him to still get some experience um, at the next level perhaps uh, next season uh, League 2 perhaps League 1 and uh, build his CV that way Yeah for me I think uh, just to finish off as we move on I think 
obviously Colin there was saying that he could possibly be recalled in January and sent out to a League Two club, and he does he thinks that you know he'd cope with that. For me, for me personally, he's 18 years old. If you are at that age as a goalkeeper, at the minute, everything apart from that one game, which he seems to have bounced back really well from, that one game at South End, everything he touches turns to gold at the minute. Do you know what I mean? His confidence must be sky high. And I think the, the whole thing of going out on loan as well is to learn how to cope with adversity as well and learn, cope with pressure. And I think if he... If he goes to a League Two club, 18 years old, second half of the season, he could well just find himself on the bench there because they may bring him in. They might decide that they've got they, there isn't much between him and uh, their regular goalkeeper, and so the fact that he's more experienced, they'll keep him in goal. But he's a nice backup to have around. Keep him at Solihull. He's playing every week. He's got a defence in front of him. He knows he trusts, and also the way they are in the league. This second half of the season, and as it gets towards the end of the season, especially with the playoffs there going down to, I think, seventh place, is it, then in the National League, there's a good chance he's going to have a lot of high-pressure games towards the end of the season. And it might only be National League level, but there's going to be a lot riding on them, and he will learn a lot about himself, his character, and performing under pressure to have that, you know, when they're going for promotion to the Football League for a uh, the first time I I know of, I don't know you know if they've been there before, but I can't remember him ever being in there. And you know to have that pressure and to deal with that, he'll benefit a lot more from being in them games than than anything else. I think. Agree. Well, so talking of him being eighteen, the under 18s themselves. So they went to Middlesbrough. And they had a nice two-away win, just like the first team. <laughs> so their game finished just before the first team kicked off. And it was Dean Adioko and Luke Enright, second-half goals. Uh, and that shot Stoke up to eighth in the league in the under-18s. Uh, this week, they play Wolves away. 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday at the Sir Jack Haywood Training Ground in Wolverhampton. Uh, victory would actually take us above Wolves in the table as well. So, you know, we're on a bit of a charge now. Back-to-back wins for the first time this season. Emre Tesco actually didn't play that game uh, because he should have been playing for the under-21s on Monday night. But that game against Norwich was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. So, unfortunately, uh, him and also Kyron Clark didn't get the uh, the minutes they were hoping for to get them closer to a first-team return. Um, so, yeah, the Norwich game was postponed. That will be rearranged at a later date. And yes, there's a long wait for an actual proper game for the under-21s goes on. Hopefully, they'll be hoping to finish that that wait away at Blackburn this week. So Sunday, 1pm kickoff at Brocknell. Um, the bottom two in the league, these are. So we're bottom, Blackburn are just above us. So it's uh, hopefully 25th versus 26th. Let's hope that we can get a victory and get the under-21 season going, a bit like the under-18s have in recent times. The women, so yeah, they've now got a couple of weeks without a game as well. So they had no game last week. And after the weather washed out the week before, they'll be hoping to end their 25-day wait for a game at home to Fylde on Sunday. Uh, 2 p.m. kickoff uh, at the usual place, the Emory Stadium. Uh, and this obviously filed a bottom of the league and a win could lift Stoke up to second in the division. So, yeah, they had a bit of a sticky start, I believe, a couple of defeats, but they're really you know, banging form now. 
the women's team. So let's hope that, uh, like say, three and a half weeks out hasn't killed that momentum and they can get back to winning ways against Fylde. Now, on to sort of news. Now, there's a few things here that we're going to run with. So we'll touch on all of them without going into massive details on, on everything. But um, we've we've discussed a bit of this already. But Mark Travers, uh, I believe I said he wants to come back and uh, unless he's playing for Bournemouth. So those are Alex Neal's words. Uh, he's told him he wants to come back when he can, unless he's playing for Bournemouth. Um, so obviously the ball's in his court with, for that, is going to Alex Neal. Uh, yeah, so the interesting thing with that is if he does get a, if he does get on the pitch for Bournemouth and then decides he wants to leave, the only place he can go this season is Stoke because he'll have played for two clubs. So we are fully in the driving seat in to get Mark Travers back in January should he want to move. Um, so yeah, that that does help the cause of it, doesn't it, Mike? It does, mate. And and like I said, I think we we had to sign him on loan. Um, it's kind of like a last minute thing last time. I think if we had a little bit more time in that window, uh, we we would have signed him permanently. I absolutely guarantee that would have been the case. So what I wanted to ask you all of you really actually off the back of that what do you think is a realistic fee personally i think it would be between that two to three million pounds window i can't see it being any more than that i can't remember how long's left on his contract but if it's not expiring like tomorrow then i'm i'm, I'm kind of guessing two to three million don't see it being any less than that a premier league club's going to want to get a decent fee if they can yeah, I think I'd probably go up to four. But um, you, you say a good goalkeeper can earn you 10 to 12 points a season, which I bet yeah. you a good striker doesn't earn you many more than that. So, and you'd pay big, big bucks for a striker, wouldn't you? And how old is he, Dan? 20... 24. Uh, 24. There you go. So, even if you offered him a four or five year deal, that FFP allowance over that the, the contract, I mean, it, say if you give him, say, a four-year deal and there's a million quid, it's a million pound a season for, as you said, a person who could basically get you the points to get your promotion this or next season. Like, that is a drop in the ocean for the amount of money you could make you. Is he, uh, hey, lads, is he the uh, Ireland number one? Does anyone know? He's in the island squad, but he doesn't get on the. He doesn't generally get on the pitch for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's something that he may sort of be become in time. Um, you know, they do sort of in cycles. And at the minute, it's Gavin Bazuna, who's the Southampton goalkeeper. So he's hmm. the one who generally plays when Ireland play, but he's only twenty-one himself, so. It would explain why he wants to come back to Stoke because he knows he has got no chance being the number one if he's on somebody else's bench. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one with the fee, Mike, because you've got to take into consideration sort of experience. He's young, um, so he's got a lot of his career ahead. You could possibly think at 20, 24, you're barely even starting your goalkeeping uh CV in a way, but he's already got a promotion under his belt. Um, you mentioned between two and three million. I mean, I, I would, I would possibly go a little bit higher than that, maybe closer to five. Um, yeah. Five million isn't even a, a a big amount of money these days, is it? But um, I, I feel he will only get better personally 
what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't. It's not like he's thirty-one. We're going to offer him a four-year deal. You know. Yeah, I think I think spot on. I think we we can get in between that three to five million window, um, four five-year deal. You, you're going to struggle to lose out on that. I think. And he's been impressive too on loan with us. I think he's going to become a very competent Premier League goalkeeper in the end time. He's still very young and. The games he did play, he would have been, what, 22, 23 when he was playing them games for Bournemouth in the Premier League. I think, you know, you, if somebody has a few ricks at that age as a goalkeeper, I don't think you can write them off at all. He's proven at the Championship that he's he's one of them players who's, you know, high end of the Championship. You know, once, as he, go, as he you know, develops and improves his own game and tweaks little things, he'll be the very more than competent goalkeeper in the Premier League for me. Uh, right, so other news. So, like I said, there's a few things we'll go through. Now, Matthew Etherington, that's the name you didn't think you'd hear on this podcast, did you? So, he took interim charge at Colchester, bottom of League Two. He won two in a row. So, you think, oh, he's going to get this job full time? Well, that is until his old club, Crawley, who he left last season after a short management stint, they came in to say that. The, the breach, he's breaching the contract from when he left Crawley uh, and he had to relinquish control with immediate effect whilst they sorted out all the legalities so um, yeah, seems to have a sucker punch that doesn't it Mike, he comes in gets the ball rolling, gets him off the bottom of the league and, and his old club throw a spanner in the works Yeah, poor Matty um, yeah it it's been a farce that whole Crawley saga has, hasn't it? I, I can't remember the ins and outs. I seem to remember the, their owner saying he wanted to he basically take over as manager or some crap like that. I can't, I can't remember now, but um, yeah, not a way to treat someone. I mean, we're not talking a Premier League team here where there's millions and millions of pounds involved. Like, just have a bit of decency about you. Uh, yeah. Well, for me, do you know, for me, if, if I was Colchester, it's funny you should say that because I'd say if I was the owner, I'd put himself in charge. Edinson can still do all the work. He can do. He can literally be in charge. But officially, if you looked at the paperwork, it was oh well, the owner put himself as manager for a, for a short spell, and that just that row crawled up a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, sit in the stands and have a, a microphone on, just just relay everything back down to the to the, <laughs> to the sidelines. Why not? Um, right, Michael Rose. Now, Radio Stoke, Tuesday night. They have a Stoke City hour, don't they? Six till seven. I don't mind giving it a plug. Sometimes you leave an ear hour. Dulcet tones on there, won't you, Mike? <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, if, if, if we're not doing anything else, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this week they had an interview with Michael Rose, and he said that Alex Neal's given him a new role. Um, which is quite close market a place. So he says, if you look at him, you think, where's he going? He says he's literally been given a sort of a man-to-man follow him everywhere on the pitch role. Um, and he says it's just the last three games he's been doing it and it's sort of worked really well. So whoever the danger man is and the sort of the, the forwards of the opposition, he literally sticks to him like glue. He says and he's ended up in like midfield and advanced areas. He says and uh, he says he's enjoying it. He thinks it's, uh, it's quite fun. So uh, yeah, so if you wonder why he's out of position or whatever, you think what's he doing over there, playing left wing? It's because he's uh he's he's got to stick like glue to somebody. <laughs> he's been he's he's really got better in the last few weeks. We were all I think a bit worried about Rose 
Uh, McNally was the one who's been relatively solid, actually, especially when you consider he's played with, you know, Wilmot one week, um, you know, but he, Josh Loren the next, uh, you know, the the list has been endless, but, you know, McNally's been great, I think, all things considering, and then Rose is the one who's been highlighted by us and by other people sometimes as silly errors, costly errors. Um, and But, you know, he's he seems to be pulling his socks up. Again, we use that word continuity. You've got to give the guy credit. He's he's getting better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's quite an odd way of marking in, certainly in today's market, to have very much a, a man marking job. But um, we've just looked so much more competent with a four. Like we started off the season with a three. Lots of Stoke fans cannot stand the three at the back um we're not used to it i it's never suited us to be honest um it it kind of it it reeks of the relegation um season and perhaps the uh the previous six months in the season before but um certainly the two center halves are um establishing themselves well uh they look solid they seem to understand each other's game as well uh, Rose has uh, has improved very much. Um, McNally's a really real standout figure for me in the in the back four. So much so that the the Burnley fans are asking for him to be recalled. I've seen that on quite a lot of um, social media pages. Mm, well, they're not having him. He's <laughs> sticking around. Um, yes. So other than, just so sorry, just to move into the last few bits of news we've got. Uh, Gary Rowett obviously has left Millwall and the front runner to replace him appears to be Nathan Jones. So we, we've had that before, haven't we? And Gary Rowett leaves replaced by Nathan Jones. Sure, Michael O'Neill get himself prepared to head down to Millwall in a, in a year's time or so. Do you reckon, Mike? Um, no, I, I think he'll be very happy to stay on the international scene, mate. I think it's, uh, he's probably had his fingers burnt with the... Uh, championship or whatever it is uh so no he'll stay internationals nathan jones will take whatever he's offered because he's not a good enough championship manager for me so yeah um i won't be surprised to see him take over do i expect him i don't see i don't think he's the right man for somebody like like, like obviously like, like a mill war or that he's a very certain type of um team for nathan jones i think he's got to be a team that haven't got any big, you know, prima donnas in there. There aren't any big personalities to try and manage because he proved at Stoke that he cannot manage people above him. And let's face it, after these players, they'll look at Nathan Jones and go, what the hell did you ever achieve in his professional career, you know, playing? The answer is probably very little. So I don't think he commands respect from anyone who's who will deem themselves a better player than, than he was. Um, I just think that's where he struggles, which is why at Luton, it was just a bunch of really hard-working younger lads who, you know, he did very well at Luton, but that was his level. So for me, no, I, I, good luck to him, for him, but I don't think he's competent at all as a manager. I wouldn't have him anywhere near Stoke City, thank you very much, ever again. What did he, uh, what did he achieve in his career? Uh, he, he did one excellent battle, faulty style step over on Sky Sports by playing for Yeovil. If you haven't seen that, then that's on YouTube if you want to go find it. <laughs> Must have had a few hits on that, I bet. 
<laughs> yeah, um, he's a bit cursed, isn't he? Outside of uh, Lincoln Town, he, he's he's very cursed. Um, going to be difficult uh, him going into a, a new job uh, off the back of the Southampton one. Although the pay packet would have been very good um, with with his sacking. So does he need to be in a job at the moment or, or can he sit on his money? Well, I think the normal rule is if you take a, a payout from another another club, if you go and sign for another one, then your payments stop. It's very rarely you actually get a lump sum payment. It's normally over the over the course of a period of time. So as soon as he takes another job, his severance pay will end. So I think that that will be um, an effect. But I just think he he, he showed at Southampton when he you know, when he got him relegated um, that he he can't manage the media either, and as an owner. He pretty much come out and slated him, if you remember, like calling him out. So, yeah, I mean, we'll move on from Nathan Jones, but that's just, I think any club in the championship should keep a wide berth if you've got any type of ambition, because I don't think he's going to get you up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fair enough. And um, just one little bit of the bear management news is uh, Gareth Ainsworth and... Um, Pearson have been sacked this week, so QPR and Bristol City removing their managers. And just so you know, Alex Neal is now the sixth longest serving manager in the Championship, which includes two promoted teams in uh, Schumacher's Plymouth and McKenna's Ipswich ahead of him. So, yeah, he's one of only four managers who were in charge when he took charges. There's only three managers who were in charge of Championship clubs when he took over, who are still at those clubs in the championship now. Ridiculous. <laughs> Doesn't that just sum up chairman and, and football managers uh, of of the current times now? You you lose four or five matches, the fans are on to you, chairman feels under pressure, he makes a shock sacking. Like it it it, it happens time and time again. It, it at every division at every level. Um it's not for me. I don't. I don't see it. It's it's become quite poisonous at Stoke as well as we know, where managers have a a couple of bad games and then the fans get on them. It becomes a toxic atmosphere at the Britannia, and yeah, I'm not having it. Uh, talking of talking of chairman making stupid decisions, the last bit of news we have is Sheffield Wednesday. Um, their chairman, Mr. Chanziri, uh, said he wanted 2,000 fans donating £100 each to pay the tax bill. 
he must have uh, spent the tax money himself. <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you one thing I want to say about that, right? And um, some people roll their eyes because they'll have an agenda and all that, and that that's fine, right? Um, we've mentioned the words "be grateful" in the past. Now, whether you think that the Coates family have made mistakes, which they hundred percent have. What owner doesn't? Let's be honest, right? So yeah, they've made a, a ruck of mistakes in people's eyes. Some of some people were absolutely calling for them to go. This guy's is an example of how it could go very, very wrong. You want them out, you know. Th- this this guy's come in, and he's running Sheffield into the ground. If they don't pay that bill, they're going to have a ban for potentially three windows. You know, they could he's be paid facing today. He says. Well, okay, he's yes, really- okay. They've got they, even if he has. I mean, who knows with that guy, right? He might might not be the case. But even if he has, do we really want an owner who has either got a no money or b doesn't want to put it in? Now, the whole we should be grateful for what we've got. I'm sorry, but no one will convince me otherwise. They will make mistakes, but I'd rather have owners who support the club and have got a bottomless pit of money to keep pumping in that money than wondering whether we're going to have a club in twelve months' time. So just think and look at these stories before you start calling out for the Coates family to leave in certain hard times because this is a potential alternative. There aren't millions and millions of millionaires and billionaires queuing up to buy Stoke City. Perhaps I'm sure the Coates family would have maybe opened up a, a potential investor. So just I'll, keep that in mind next time. I'll just say that the funny thing about this is that Chanziri has now released more statements this season than Sheffield Wednesday have points. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right, the last thing we were going to do, any other business, we was end up with that. And we were going to actually play some audio about from Johnny about his trip to Stoke. So since we have to play that, we can just ask the man himself. Um, Johnny, did you enjoy your time visiting Stoke? <laughs> yeah, yes, amazing time. Uh, it was absolutely an experience I'll never ever forget and to have the support of all of you guys making sure we're okay and you know uh, reaching out if we had any problems or issues uh, is it's bigger it's bigger than football for me so uh, I was very very grateful to have those uh, experiences and those wins and to share with my partner as well and I uh, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on too and uh yeah, just I'm just very excited, uh, especially now that uh, you like uh, Michael alluded to earlier. The continuity within within the squad is you can see it growing. So let's hope for exciting times. And uh, I, I I do have it on uh, on on hold here. So if if we do keep getting wins, boys, I would like you to look into some real estate for me, if you would. We'll we'll, yeah. build, we'll build you a flat out here, mate. You can you can move uh, move to Stoke on Trent and try our delicious oat cakes. And I don't know, Johnny. We're going to ask you the question like you're like your new manager. Uh, do you have oat cakes when you visit Stoke on Trent? I did absolutely. Yes, it was Excellent. amazing. Yes, I couldn't leave Stoke without doing that, right? Oh yeah, it's actually yeah. now illegal. Just so you know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What What did you have? The obviously the next question: What did you have on your oat cake? <laughs> That's so important. Uh, uh, I don't know. I may have some haters here, but uh, mushrooms, cheese, uh, and some, uh, not lettuce, but some green of some sort. And bacon as well. That's bacon. not too bad. I, I, I wouldn't have any greens on it, but that, that's all right. Yeah, the greens are different, aren't they? Mm. 
Yeah. But, but yeah, bacon, bacon, cheese, and mushrooms. Yeah, that go for it. I did. That's yeah. a winner from me. Delicious. Fantastic. Well, I'm really glad you enjoyed your visit, mate. And I, uh, yeah, we hope to get you back over here to jokey, half joking. If, if we do make playoffs, could you, could you possibly be making that massive journey back across the pond? Plane tickets booked. Michael, you're That's... setting me up, right? Yeah, 100%. We've got a spare room, mate. You can have that. Yeah. Good. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Bro, well, well, I think that's that's everything news-wise. Um, on that bombshell, shall we head into Cardiff for the weekend? Boys, so we've got Cardiff this weekend. Um, now, I think when you look at Cardiff City, you've got to, you've got to admit, right, they're having a, a really strong start to the season. Uh, we've got some audio coming up shortly, which um, would actually be quite... Um, it's, got, it's it's good audio, actually. A really, again, down-to-earth down, down to earth, uh, kind of Cardiff fan. But, you know, they're sitting in there, you know, the playoff places. They've been... I think they've had, you know... I think now what it is... I think a month, a month or so ago, Stoke fans, when we're thinking about, oh, God, we're playing another team in the playoffs, I think we all would have been a little bit worried, right? Uh, I think we can all probably be honest about that. Um, but I think as a club, and I think the, the players, we've all got a new found kind of confidence for me. Now, I was looking back through the uh, the games, and I don't mean to be disrespectful here, and I know the Cardiff fans probably listening, I don't mean to be just disrespectful. I've been called out by the Ipswich fans earlier on the season for being disrespectful, but um, I'm going to call it out. I would argue that Cardiff, you know, they beat Bristol and beat Huddersfield. Both games, you would expect them to win for me. On both occasions, at 100%, especially with the, you know, the the mediocre teams and manager movement and stuff like that. You then look back at their other games: a loss versus Blackburn. Blackburn are no mugs. Watford draw. Watford aren't great at the minute this season, and then they got a two 0 loss to Middlesbrough that we've just beaten, and a two 0 winning two 0 win against Rotherham, who pretty much every other team in this league would beat any any day of the week anyway. So I don't mean to be disrespectful at all, right? But have they really beaten anyone that in those run of games there that you would pretty much not expect them to beat? So while we can say, you know, it, it could be a good, difficult game and it probably will be a difficult game still. Um, I'm looking at them games, you know, Laurie, and thinking I'm not concerned about Cardiff, if I'm honest with you. I, I'm I'm really not worried. So, um, I mean, I, am I being too harsh there, Laurie, in terms of, calling them out a little bit. I don't think they've won anything that I wouldn't have expected them to win, if I'm honest. I think the only one for me would have been Sunderland, perhaps. perhaps oh, you're going back to the Sunderland one? Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, potentially quite quite a tough side and, and they took the three points. But I mean, um, you know, we've beaten Sunderland ourselves and we've had a fantastic month. But... Um, for me, this one is a dead set draw. Last two games, we've had a 2-2 and a 3-3. Uh, our away form uh, in line with Cardiff is absolutely identical. Two wins, a draw and and four defeats. So um, what can we possibly expect from them? Um, they've, they've scored 10 and conceded 10 uh, on the road. So you could see them being very expansive in getting at us or or you could see them uh, perhaps a little bit more tentative in the way that we've been attacking teams at the moment. But 
Um, I just get the feeling that we're going to see a draw on Saturday based on uh, what we've seen in in the last couple of seasons. Uh, of course, you can argue um, we're in better shape at the moment, but um, I, I might say I'm a bit of a omens believer, and I just feel that they'll they will come at us. Um, they're in better home form than us, uh, but. I would I would say also we're on the up, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I can just see a draw, a, a score draw, but uh, a a draw Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're they're in that position because they they've done well enough to be there and they've earned they've earned their place. Uh, they've got a, a, you know a few good players. I think Perry Ng um, is is a guy that you know we we know about. I don't know if anyone's got some some memories from like I think it was. I think pre twenty twenty one, if I remember rightly, uh, but Perry Ng was a was a crew player, um, and I remember people raving about um, him anyway uh, when when he was with Crew, and he's obviously gone to Cardiff, I think, in twenty twenty one, and he's done really well. And you know, I mean, the the audio we'll have in a minute will mention him, but uh, I think for me, he's a player that is. You know, he's a really solid player. He can score goals. He's good defensively. Um, you know, he's really made his home at Cardiff, it seems. Uh, and you know, they really rate him. They have got, you know, a lot of potential to to cause us problems. I think their defenders are actually scoring more than their strikers, if I remember rightly. Um, so I guess what we need to look at, we've talked about not conceding from set pieces. Um, would this just be Sod's law that we come up against them and concede from set pieces? After we, after we've actually said that now, we're, we're almost cursing it. Um, I mean, Dan, you you like to have a look at the opposition, mate. What what are you expecting from uh, from Cardiff? I mean, are you expecting this to be a, a quite a close one? So I think obviously the, the initial news, and it's a positive on two fronts, is that there's no Aaron Ramsey for Cardiff. Um, he start for another month. Uh, which is actually a double positive because not only are they missing a very talented footballer, uh, but we also don't have the circus to sort of distract um, or embarrass us, whichever you want to think of, whatever age you want to use for that. Um, so that's a good thing. I think he definitely adds a lot to the midfield. You know, he's always, no matter what you think of him as a person, he's been a very, very good footballer in his career. He achieved a lot. Um, and obviously he's still got a lot at championship level at, what, 32? So it's good for us that he's not playing. Uh, for me, Callum Robinson. So he came back into the side. Couple, he's made his first league starts the last two matches, and they've won both of them. He's never been prolific, but what he does is he runs the channels well, and I think he creates opportunities for others, whether that's making space for others or winning the ball you know, in dangerous areas and playing other people in. And I think his him put, being put into that side seems to have sparked something with them and made give them a, a different avenue, a different option, something that maybe they were missing for the few games before that, after Ramsey did get injured. Um, so I think that's something we need to watch and maybe... You know, we need to be wary of of Robinson's movements and sort of, you know, I say creating sort of not for himself but for others. Um, they seem to be quite safe with the ball, been dispossessed in in the play ninety one times, so they don't take any risks on the ball. Um, only Hull 
Uh, sorry, only Huddersfield, sorry, have done less than that. Um, but they don't get into the final third that often. So when you look at passes in the, fi- in the final third, they've got 1,602 this season, which you know, is just a number. Stoke, 2,052. So what gets me is I think they play in safe areas and they'll keep the ball and they won't really give it away. They won't let men get close to them. But then when they're going forward all of a sudden they'll shift through the gears and they sort of don't mess around, if you like. <laughs> Once they get into dangerous areas, um, you know, they look for, they'll play it around, they're quite patient, look for a gap and then they go. And when they get into the, the final third, it's a lot quicker build-up, you know. The, whereas we've we've had a lot of them where we, we can get the final third and you, you got wide, it goes back, it goes across, it goes wide, it goes back, back into the middle, back into... Look, they don't seem to do that that's not their sort of style of play uh, what they do do though is quite interesting is they press really high so nobody has had less touches in their own penalty area than Cardiff's opponents which tells me that their their th- front three must really push onto the defence the studios so there's sort of you take a short goal kick for example and they're on to you straight away and people aren't taking touches in the box. They're either playing through that line and getting the ball into midfield early, or they're just getting rid of it and going long because they're being put under pressure. Where that completely flips, though, is that only Sheffield Wednesday and QPR have allowed their opponents more touches in their defensive third. So once you get into car around Cardiff's penalty area, they seem to be quite happy to sit off you and maybe get a bank of obviously four defenders maybe a couple of holding midfielders and just say, yeah, break us down. And so we may have to be patient with the ball. It, it might be one of the games that, you know, the last season, they were the kind of teams we really struggled against. Once it teams who would sit back. Yeah. So, because obviously they come on to us, you know, we're quite happy. We're going to sit here. We don't want the ball. You can have it as long as you want. Break us down. And that's when we sort of scratched our heads a bit and once I don't really know what I'm doing here. How are we yeah. going to get through this? I think we're better at it this season. I think the introduction of people like Vidigal and Aksabanovic is definitely an improvement on what we had last season. And I think Ryan Mai is more of a complete forward than what we had up front last year as well. And I think it, it's interesting what front three goes with because for this game, as good as Medi Larice has been playing, you know, is it... Is it the right game for him? Or if they are going to be sitting deep and saying, break it open, do you want as much creativity um, on there as possible? I think one thing we'd have to bear in mind as well, uh, you're absolutely spot on what you're saying. Uh, and, and based on what you're saying, the probably the last thing that we may want is for them to, to do that. They hit us on a break or they get us on a set piece. And if they take the lead, if they're just happy just to sit there and sit on that 1-0... Like you said last season, it was it was an issue. It doesn't mean the issue's gone away. Like any team who's really good at sitting in could probably sit there and hold off. So I think if we get that, I think if we get that first goal, which is, happens a lot this season, like if you get the first goal, they will probably have to open up, which will stop them having those two banks of four or or the bank of four and you know, holding midfielders, they'd have to come at us, which I think then also then will play into our hands really well because we'll start doing those things in midfield, coming short, spinning, you know, using the pace, stretching the play. We score first, I think we go on to win it. If they score first, 
And then along the lines, I think what Laurie said, you know, I think it'll be a, a tight game at that point um, where there won't be much in it. So I guess that's that's going to be critical this weekend uh, as, to, as to who actually score first. I mean, Johnny, I'll let you come in. Any any thoughts on any, any of that? Yeah. I feel this is going to be an interesting game, to be honest. I mean, like like you mentioned, they're coming into uh, to the bet three six five and in good form. However, I, I feel we have the quality to, and especially with the run of games we've had, the confidence going forward, and especially at home, and if the you know the supporters get behind, you know the lads, I think you know I just feel we're going to nick it. I feel there's goals in this, to be honest. I'm going with a three one, stoked. I just feel we're just, we just have the quality, and now mentioning Ramsey being out—that's a—that's a big blow, right? So if we can capitalize on that in certain areas, moving up the pitch and breaking out quick, like we did against Burrow. I, I feel I feel confident, really, and especially with the uh, breakdowns that you mentioned earlier with Cardiff. Um, nothing really excites me on that, to be honest. With with their their wins and and draws, like they haven't really played, you know, the upper tier, right? So yeah, I, I feel confident about Saturday. And Dan, um, I mean, stats-wise, mate, I know you always miss the stato. Um, any interesting couple of stats you might want to throw out there? So, yes, I will just I'll run through some stats quickly. Uh, so, 53 times we've played Cardiff, 21 wins, 14 draws, 18 defeats. At home, that's 28 games, 13 wins, 8 draws, 6 defeats. However, we only have one win in our last 10 games since 2011 against Cardiff. Six draws, though, and just three defeats in that time. So the draw seems to be the popular result. Uh, We've only failed to score at home to Cardiff twice since 1960. So 20 games, and that was a 3-0 defeat under Johan Boskamp in 2005 and a (laughs) 0-0 draw in the Premier League in 2011. They are the only two times in the last 63 years we've not scored at home to Cardiff. So yeah, well, there goes my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex Neal against Cardiff uh, played 11, won five, drew three, lost three. Um, interestingly, he won his first five games he managed against Cardiff, uh, but he hasn't won any of the six since. So a good time to put that record to bed, I reckon. Um, Stoke have had no meetings with Errol Bulu. The Cardiff manager, I don't even know if I think I just butchered his name, but whatever. Uh, and as you can imagine, so has Alex Neal. He's never faced him either. Um, Stoke's home record this season, they've got 12 points from seven games in the league, which puts them ninth. Interestingly, in all competitions, only Ipswich, with eight, have had more home wins than Stoke's six this season. Yeah, huh. All the championship clubs. So, yeah, isn't that a nice fact? Yeah. Um, hey, you didn't think we'd be saying that after last season, did we? Uh, Cardiff's no. away record, seven points from seven games, has them 14th in the away table. Uh, the last four away games, they've won two, they've lost two, but all four games have ended up to nil. So they've won two without conceding and they've lost two without scoring. First goal could be vital. Last five matches, we've got nine points, which puts us ninth in the table. Cardiff have got seven points in the last five matches, puts them 11th, so quite similar. Uh, right, last time Stoke won four in a row was November and December of 2011. Wins over Tottenham, Blackburn at home, and Everton and Wolves away. Uh, yeah, so that was the last time we won four matches in a row. Uh, if you include the League Cup tie versus West Brom, then this game will mean that Stoke will have played the entire current top 10 in the championship this season already. 
currently we've won four and lost five of the nine games we've played against the top ten. Uh, whilst we've only managed, we've only played two of the bottom six teams. Uh, Stoke have conceded the fifth highest shots on target this season, keeping Mark Travers and lastly Jack Bonham busy with 67 efforts coming in our goal. Uh, whilst only three teams have conceded less than Cardiff's 49, which again goes into what we were saying there, doesn't it? Quite compact, obviously don't let many shots in at goal. Um, interestingly, though, this could be a way we can get into them. Only Preston have had less crosses claimed by their keeper than Cardiff's 4.2%. So only 4.2% of crosses into the Cardiff box get come and claimed by the goalkeeper. Stoke have the fifth highest in the league with nearly 8% of crosses claimed by the keeper. Although, obviously, before Middlesbrough, that was with Mark Travers, so that's sort of different now. But it just goes to show that we had, you know, having a goalkeeper twice as often, our goalkeeper would come out and, you know, caught and claimed across. Um, but it seems that Cardiff, the keeper there, is quite happy to lead the defence to the job. Cardiff have the highest goals per shot ratio in the league. Um, so they don't take many shots, but the ones they do end up in goals more often than anyone else. While Stokes' shot on target percent of 25.4% is only worsened by Bristol City and Sheffield Wednesday. So we do need to get a bit more accurate with our shooting. Um, refs, would you like about the ref? Yeah, go on. Oliver Langford is the referee. Again. Oh, I know that name. Yeah. <laughs> this season, 10 games, 42 yellows, two red cards and no penalties. Nice record here. Two home wins, two draws and six away victories. Yeah, but you also said no penalties there, Dan, which means we still are not going to get a penalty, are we? <laughs> no. We'll so never get re- a penalty. He's ref Stokes 16 times. 26 yellows, one red, one penalty against us, one penalty for us. We've had three wins, three draws, and 10 defeats in them 16 games. Uh, this season, he refed us in the 1-0 defeat at Norwich. Um, which was one of those two home wins he's reft. Obviously, it would have been when we were the away side, of course. <laughs> uh, but also, he, he also reft us in the 2-1 home defeat to Bristol City in April. Uh, he's ref Cardi 14 times, giving them 30 yellows, no reds, uh, no penalties against them, but one penalty for them. They've won six, lost six to two. Uh, he has ref them this season as well, which was 2-1 home loss to QPR, which stands out to me as an absolutely awful result. <laughs> but also he ref them in a 2-1 away win at Rotherham in April. Interesting fact about him, he made his Premier League refing debut in 2009, refing Chelsea versus Leicester. The interesting thing being, he was scheduled to be the fourth official. But the uh, band ref, Graham Scott, got stuck in traffic, so he had to get in, he was upgraded to uh, take on the job as referee because, uh, yeah, Graham Scott didn't arrive till just before kickoff, so they had to swap roles. And, he, yeah, that was how he made his Premier League debut. OK, well, um, so before we go any further at all, let's have a quick listen to two pieces of audio now, uh, the ever-reliable Mr Graham McGarry, and, of course, we'll hear from the Cardiff camp, as obviously they look to try and spoil the party. Hello there, you positive predictors. What a week that it was for you. Who'd have thought it? Nine points out of nine against sides that have been tipped to win automatic promotion or to be in the end of the season playoffs. 
Well, you certainly did the business and just what Alex Neal was going to have been saying for a long time, that there was more to come. And there certainly was the best week of the season that's just gone by. Now they've got to build on it and they've got to keep plugging and going forward because they've got a real opportunity to catch those teams who are at the top of the table. And there's no better test than when you play a South Wales side coming up to the Potteries in Cardiff City. A team that's informed themselves as well. But... The Potters fans are behind the team now and they can see some light at the end of the tunnel. This is going to be difficult, but if they overcome this hurdle, who knows what's in store for Stoke during the winter months. Stoke City 2, Cardiff City 1. So this season really couldn't have gone much better for us so far. Um, it feels like a completely different team uh, to where we were this time last year. Um, it's everything's just a million miles better um i think that starts with the manager um you know we were quite optimistic uh, as a fan base going into this season granted he's a coach that we didn't know too much about um but you know he's coached at a very high level across europe um ex fenerbahce and you know errol's come in um he's made this squad his own um there was a little bit of sort of nerves i suppose uh, just with kind of how many plays we got in on free and on alone because um, you know it's happened to us before where new coaches brought new players in and um, they've not really gelled but completely different story uh, this time around and Errol Bullet has just completely made this team his own um, you know I never thought in my wildest dreams that we'd be you know top six at uh, this time of the season, which, you know, it's just... Even talking about it now, it still doesn't feel real. It feels absolutely mad uh, to say it. But, um, yeah, there's really good positive feeling around the club, um, especially with the fans. You know, we're on side uh, with this project. We know it's going to be a bit of a long-term thing, but we're excited, and we're actually excited to be watching Cardiff play again. Um, and, you know, Errol's just got it right completely. Um and you know it's shown with his signings and the way that the team's playing. Uh, Perry Ng, I honestly think, is one of the best defenders in the league. Um, he defends brilliantly. Uh, he scores goals as well. Like he has a brilliant free kick on him. Um, he can score headers. He's scored from shots. And you know, there's a reason that he's routinely in the team of the week. So um, you know, he's definitely one to watch out for. Uh, as is Manolis Siopis, uh, one of the new sign-ins, a Greek midfielder. He just controls the game so well. Um, he runs about so much. Uh, and he's the type of midfielder we were kind of missing. Because, um, you know, when he's in that position, he can, like, free up Joe Rawls and, before he was injured, Aaron Ramsey, to kind of just do what they do best and either support or attack as well. Um so yeah, everything's just kind of finally falling into place for us. Um and you know, this is this was always gonna be a really tough run of games, but so far we've handled it brilliantly. Um I don't see any sign of a slowing down really. So I'm gonna go with a two 0 Cardiff City win. 
thank you very much to both of you. Uh, so uh, yeah, again, Graham, uh, I'm hoping that I well, I'm hoping you're wrong because uh, simply I think I need to get an update Dan off you for the for the actual table. Uh, but I'm pretty confident that I'm I'm going to be near the top if not if not top already. So uh, a couple of correct results for me recently, a couple of correct um, score lines as well. I think so. Uh, please make sure that for the next pod uh, we have an update on the leaders table. There, there is one thing we just need to clear oh, before we go any further on this day okay. because it actually it gives us a nice way to plug something plug something that's going to happen uh, on the day this podcast comes out and obviously something that was also released on Monday this week so on this day the day of this game Frank Su debuted in a 6-1 defeat at Middlesbrough to become the first player of Chinese descent to play in the EFL despite the results Su was singled out for praise by his manager and he went on to have a great career both for Stoke and elsewhere, and also playing nine times for England and becoming the first player of um, East Asian descent to play for England. Now, if you would like to know more about that, we actually um, spoke to somebody from the Frank Sue Foundation at the weekend, and we had a podcast that was released on Monday earlier this week. So if you haven't listened to that, I'd go and listen to it Um so really, it's great his story, um, and it also you know it just goes into what the foundation are doing to uh, keep Sue's legacy going, and obviously his name and everything, and in the great work and and sort of hope that I suppose he gives that sort of uh, you know that the that demographic and society to to in a time you think this is nearly a hundred years ago, like say ninety years since he made his debut, the you know, the the country was a very different place. Wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you to the foundation for inviting us down on Friday as well. Appreciate that. Yes. So uh, looking, we looking are, forward to it. Yes, we are. Uh, for people who, well, to say people who don't know, nobody does know, do they? We have been invited to the uh, Civic Hall in Stoke on Friday to see Frank Sue being uh, inducted into the Stoke on Trent Hall of Fame. So, yes, we have been invited by the Lord Mayor to go down there. So, Yes, much uh, much appreciated. It'll be an honour to be there, and uh, yes, we're very grateful for that opportunity. Thank you. Congrats, yeah. boys! Yeah, absolutely. It'd be uh, it'd be good to see uh, to see that happen. A hundred percent. So, no, Dan, um, appreciate it, mate. Some very interesting stats. So, I will let you guys now give your score predictions. Johnny, I think you may have given one. You're very welcome after listening to those stats to change your mind. So, here's your chance. Three one. Is that a win or I'll take it as a win, yeah? <laughs> yeah, take it as a win, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Laurie, what, what score line are you going for, mate? Draw, score draw, 1-1. One, one. Oh, okay. Um, Mr Buxton? I'm going to go for a 2-0. I think we score either side of our time. Okay, well, I've got 2-0 as well, uh, as part of my prediction. I was flirting with 2-0 and 2-1. I just don't think they're going to score. I think our defence is going to be too solid, if I'm honest with you. I've got real confidence in them for the first time in a long time now. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling a confident uh, 2-0. And I'm going to give you my team uh, to begin with. And I don't think this is going to be dramatically different to probably anyone listening to this, if I'm honest with you. Um it's obvious who goes in goal, but we're going to have Henry right back, Rosen McNally in the middle, Stevens at left back, pretty obvious. Uh, Pearson, defensive midfield with um, Johnson, and uh, I've actually got uh, Ed Berger uh, actually playing in that 
in that space alongside him. And then I'm going to have Vidigal, uh, Ryan May and Lloris um, up front as well. Uh, I think maybe there might be a slight change in that mid midfield. Maybe he won't go for Berger, but um, I think with the the time that we've had and the the fitness etc., I think that will be pretty damn close to the uh, to the starting lineup. I mean, has anyone got any other dramatic changes? Anyone you would drop and bring in aside from I, that? I mean, Dan, I know that I sort of played through the idea of playing Paxibanovic and Vidigal and not playing Lloris, but yeah, my 11 that I've got is identical to the one you've got there. Uh, yeah, Berger in for Loren. Not that Loren did anything bad last weekend, but no. I think Berger offers us more going forward, um, more of a goal threat as well. And yeah, Lloris, as much as Haxamanovic and Vidigal might be the right horses for courses, I think Lloris's performances of late, you, you can't drop him because he's been involved in everything, hasn't he? So... I think uh, you at least give him the opportunity in the first 45, 60 minutes to to show that he, he can impact this game. Um, interesting for me, I think I'd probably have Clark on the bench by this this stage. And I think Gale now takes a place on the bench where he wasn't before. So um, Lowe misses out. And as I sort of said last week, I'm, I'm struggling to get a place for Junior on the bench now everybody's fit. It's strange, isn't it? Um... But yeah, his time his time will come. Like he's it's still he's still a young lad. He still said he's only what nineteen, I think. Um, so yeah, his time will come. Uh, Laurie, Johnny, um, any changes to the team, or are you quite happy with that one? Just two. So everything's pretty much the same as as you, Dan and Mike. But um, yeah, so uh, my my two changes was uh, Haksanovic out, Vidigal in and Gale out and Ryan May in. Um, I am a Wesley fan. Uh, I know I know some fans get a little bit frustrated and some fans absolutely love him, but I am a I'm a Wesley fan uh, and I think there's there's definitely a time and a place for him. Perhaps perhaps it could be a portion of the game on on Saturday to come on and be an impact sub, but probably Ryan Ryan May for for me to start um i did think about keeping lauren in and and not having burger um him lauren keeping his place um so so possibly but yeah for, for the main two two changes okay good um johnny anything to add yeah i wouldn't change much to be honest yeah he's just got a tough decision to make but whoever he brings on will have the game plan and set in place, so yeah, I'm not too worried. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't change much, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to change, isn't yeah. it? Dan, we both made a bit of a boo-boo uh, on Super 6. Yeah, you messaged me and said, I've opened up the door for you here or something along those lines for the Super 6 because yeah. you forgot to do it. And I'm like, oh crap, so did I. So I could have really <laughs> taken advantage and uh, yeah, I really didn't. And then tonight, there's been one. I've got eight points. You've got nine points. So I've really messed up there. I could have used that as was it a nineteen point gap or something. Um, so yeah, I've really messed up there. Not yeah. Not like I mean, it. I'm looking at the results. I'm looking at the results here. I think I would have got eight points from that week that I didn't do it. I don't think I would have got any scores correct. I think I would have got four, four of the results right. Um, 
but yeah, I dropped down from ninth to twenty ninth because I didn't do that week. So don't miss, don't miss Super Six. It doesn't work. <laughs> it um, you drop right down the league with one 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 uh, missed week. But yeah, nine points. I am now twenty ninth on one hundred twenty eight, and you are in eighty second on one hundred and eight. Ouch. So. There's still time. There's still twenty points behind. You can make that. You was far. I'm further behind first than you are behind me. So, uh, talking of first, that is, we have a new leader. Simon Hume is on 149. He's got up from fourth to first, and in joint second place, just one point behind is Michael Hazeldean and Nicholas Yates. They are on 148. So well done to you guys. Uh, Gaffer-wise, this week I scored 75 points, taking me to 752, uh, but I dropped down the league a couple of places to 35th. Now, last week, Michael, there's a, some crazy scores last week, Michael Prosik scored 160, and then Craig Bozik and Waterboys both scored 137. A massive numbers for Gaffer. Well, scored 700 all season, and they're, they're scoring 137, 160 in one week. Anyway, Stoke is based still leads the way on 1101. At Jamie Gaffer's still second on 1082. And at Thurgood Joe is in third on 1075. So, yes, the top three, pretty steady, pretty much sticking the same, aren't they? Uh, but yes, uh, that sort of rounds everything off apart from your six towns challenge. Team effort, isn't it? You oh, all okay. get. Okay, go on then. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. I'll give you that. Andre Vidigal scored in his first five home games for Stoke, including his first three in the league. Yeah? Okay. So before him, who were the last six Stoke players to score in three home games in a row? In, in any time period, right? Or The last six. So the last six players to do it. Oh, right. Okay. Right, let's go with uh, Johnny Walters. Johnny Walters is sixth on the list, though. He's a good one because now you know where you're looking from. So here he got in October, November 2011, he scored in wins over Fulham and also losses to Newcastle and QPR. So, yes, okay. Johnny Walters is sixth on this list. So now you know that 2011 is the latest. They're all laughing since then. Uh, crouchy? Peter Crouch, March and April 2012. So his wonder goal against Man City in that draw, that started a run. He also scored the win against Wolves and a draw against Arsenal. So yes, that was uh, March April 2012. He's fifth on the list. So there's been four before that. Well, since then, should I say, sorry. Um, I'm trying to think who else has scored. See, I would have said fallen you know, originally, but, but he said since. So this is bad that we can't even think of six, you know, typical names at Stoke that would have scored in three league consecutive games at home. This is a sad set set of affairs. Um, just trying to think. I mean. Can... Ken what about was... Shaq? Oh, Shaq. Yeah, Shaq. Go, Shaq. Lose a life for Shaq. Uh, yeah. so I'll give you three lives as a group. You lost a life for Shaq. He, did, he never did it. Um, but what, what name were you saying then? Um, 
What was the other name you were t- thinking of saying? Uh, you said Kenny. Oh, Kenwin Jones, I would have gone for. So he's fourth on the list. December oh, right, twenty. Okay. December 2012, he scored in the draw against Everton, the win against Liverpool, the, the 3-3 draw against Southampton, you know, when Cameron Jerome smacked that 35-yard run off the bar in the last second. Uh, and actually, that was, that was part of a 10-match unbeaten run in the Premier League that we had then. So, yes, and there's three now. So, you've got those three. They were all under Tony Pewis. Now, if I'm going to give you a little clue, there's two that happened um, in 2015, and actually, the end of one started the next one. Uh, one, one is I'd say pretty obvious. The other one's a little bit more left field, and then there was another one that was in 2021. Okay, so 2015 then. So that's the time of. Oh, what about um, Duf? Anyone else yes. agree on Duf? So March and April 2015, a win against Everton, a loss against Palace, and a win over Southampton. So, Mam Duyouth. So, that win against Southampton, the goal on that started the run for the guy who's in second. He also scored in that game. Danny and Higginbottom. then Manson scored. And actually, he scored in four in a row, this guy did. Danny Higginbottom? It wasn't Danny Higginbottom. This... Oh, I was thinking about the cup run. Okay, yeah. So, he... okay, we've got two lives gone now. Oh crap! <laughs> Someone else guess, please. <laughs> so it actually yeah, it's ended. A, it's down so, to you. Just to let you know that this, he started in the Southampton win that Juve scored in, and it finished in the six-one win over Liverpool. Probably in Zanzi, can it? Not That's what I was just going to say, but it's not as an Aussie. It's um. Did you score? Uh, what's that? Um, no, it's Charlie uh, Adam. Adams. Charlie Adam. Yes, Charlie yeah. Adam. Charlie Adams. Yeah. Charlie Adams yeah, scored in yeah. four consecutive home games against Southampton, Sunderland, Tottenham, and Liverpool. Yeah. In April and May 2015. So now all you need is a guy who scored. It's actually spread over three months because he got injured after the first one and came back and scored in the last two. August and October 2021. Harris? I'll give you I'll give you one clue. There was a clue in that. There there was a very big clue in the fact that he got injured between games. Um, Oh, okay. And then he came back and his third goal was against West Brom as in the automatic oh, places. It's going to be bloody Mr. Injury Prone, isn't it? Um, Nick Powell? Nicky. Yes. Nicky Powell. Nick, Nick Powell scored on the opening day against Reading, got injured before the next home game, missed a couple, come back, scored against Hull, and then scored against West Brom. Those who it only took us five lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you'd have gone any mm. further, seventh place was James Beattie, 2009. Eighth was Liam Lawrence, 2008. Ninth was Sammy Bangora, who scored in four <laughs> oh, games Christ. in November and December. Tenth, Gifton Noel Williams, who actually scored um, six goals over four games in 2005. Adi Akinbae did it in 2004. And Brynjar Gunnarsson did it in de- December and January 2002-2003. So, yes, they're old. the ones before. Okay. fail. Yeah, huge fail, but you know what? That's fine. Better than being on my own for that one. Um, 
Great. Well, look, this has been a long pod. Uh, it's it's great that we've had four voices, four very uh, similar opinions and ways, but still contrast, a.k.a. Uh, the Jack Bonham conversation, so really good to get it. Uh, we're going to have a difficult game at the weekend. I'm really, really hoping we can make it four wins. That would be incredible. I think that would leave us a point off the playoffs with some, in theory, quite winnable games coming up in November and December. So, um if we can get the three points, that'd be great. Uh, Laurie, Johnny, thank you very much to both of you for joining us. You're always welcome back. Just uh, drop us a line. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, chaps. Really enjoyed it. Anytime. And uh, Danny Boy, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you all next week. Go on, Stoke. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.